teacher. We're very blessed to, to have him. So I'll pray for you, and you can take it away and rip it. Father, we just thank you uh, for, for this father of ours, God. And Holy Spirit, uh, we just invite you just to come and, and speak to him. We honor him right now. Father, we open um, our hearts and we humble ourselves to receive from him, Father God. We know that you have given him things that we can benefit from, Father. And we position ourselves with our hearts and our minds right now to receive from him, to submit to the words that you have to speak through him, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you. Like this will work. May I remove these music sheets? Would that be okay? Okay. Thank you. Uh, the last time, one of the last times I talked to Paul Anderson on the phone, he said, the next time you're teaching at Communitas, why don't you share a little bit about the Master's Institute and also the, the weekly epistle that you write. I write a electronic devotional. I call it the epistle. I've been writing it for about 15 years, and it's fairly brief. And if you'd like to receive it, you might, you may. I'll just put my, uh, my email up here. And uh, if you're not getting it and you'd like to get it, you can. That's K-M-C-C-L-U-R-E 730 at comcast.net. And then uh, I'll tell you a little bit about the Master's Institute. The mastersinstitute.org is a school that Paul Anderson started about 12 years ago. And it's a seminary. And it's a master's level, non-accredited Master of Divinity degree. And there's a lot of good reasons, by the way, that it's a uh, non-accredited program, and I won't go into those now, but if you feel a call to receive additional preparation from what you've already received, and you'd like to talk to me about what it would look like to be a a part-time or a full-time student at the Master's Institute, just contact me. That's one way to do it. Okay? All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, would you turn them to Matthew chapter 7? And I'd like... I'd like some volunteers to read from Matthew 7, 13, and 14. And I'm looking for a variety of translations. I like to hear how the uh, different translators translate a particular text. I think that's educational, usually very helpful. So Matthew 7... 13 and 14. Jesus is speaking. What's he saying? Go ahead and read out loud. And tell me what version you're reading from. NIV. NIV, okay. Okay. Thank you. NIV. Anybody have a different version you'd like to read from? Yeah. Okay. What what version? Beautiful. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate 
Okay, beautiful. I want to. Okay. Beautiful. I'm going to read the uh, the message by Eugene Peterson. And uh, one of the things you need to know uh, about the message is it's not a paraphrase. It's an actual translation. And translators, the best translators, always aim not just for precise literalness, but for thought-for-thought thought conveyance of ideas. Does that make sense? If you're going to translate from one language to the next. You want to get the idea. Even if you use a particular word and you want to be faithful to a word but it doesn't convey the idea, perhaps you need to use a different word. Does that make sense? Okay, so here's what Eugene says. Jesus was saying, don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff even though crowds of people do. The way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention. So if we're going to summarize, the way to life is fill in the blank. The way to life, the way to God is, it's hard. Is that consistent with what you've heard before? Is that consistent with your outlook? Where does that leave grace? I want to share something with you that Dallas Willard said, a prolific writer, a teacher, a godly man who died not that long ago. He said, grace isn't anti-effort, it's anti-earning. In fact, people who are under the influence of grace are energized to do things they could never do without grace. Grace isn't anti-effort. It's anti-earning. The way is hard. The way is difficult. Most of you are significantly younger than me. And uh, I bet you've already faced some difficulties. Would you mind just yelling out some of the challenges you faced? What are some things that you found to be difficult? What are some of the hardships you've, you've faced? Even though you're a follower of Jesus, even though you're aiming to live that abundant life, and you know that what Jesus says here doesn't negate what He said when He said, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. Correct? Both things are, are true. But Jesus also, in addition to saying that the way to God is, is difficult, it's hard, He said each day has enough trouble of its own. His own life had its share of troubles. What are some of the troubles you faced as a sincere follower of Jesus? You've probably found you're not immune to trouble. You're not immune to difficulty. You're not immune to bad news. Anybody want to share just one thing? One one word. Anger. Anger. Okay. Anger toward you or in you? In me, towards others. Okay. In you, towards others. So some others would say, I've been the recipient, perhaps, of Paul's anger... And that was bad. What else? Yeah, and anger for you isn't good. It's not, it's not really fun. When you blow a gasket, it's, it's really not any fun. What else? Money. Money. Money stresses. Would you agree? Sure. You don't have to be old to have money stresses. And, and some of you have some things in your life that you don't want to share. And you really, 
you need to feel free not to share them in a, in a, in a large group like this. Some of you have experienced sexual abuse. Some of you have been verbally abused and physically abused. Some of you have experienced rejection. And you've been wondering in that, where, where is God? So none of us is immune. Your parents aren't immune. Your parents could tell you some of their own stories. Maybe they have. Maybe you're familiar. Maybe your parents are responsible for some of your pain. I know my life has not been without pain. And without going into a lot of detail, I'll just tell you, you know, I've been here in the Twin Cities for 17 years. I'm a city kid. I grew up in Chicago, but I've been here for the last 17 years. And uh, previous to coming here, I saw God use me in ministry in some pretty amazing ways. I got to see God do some cool stuff. I got to see about 350 people simultaneously baptized in the Holy Spirit in my little Lutheran church in a town of about 300. The whole place broke out in tongues. I got to see a a citywide move of God's Spirit in Fergus Falls, Minnesota, where I was called to to plant a church and plant an outreach to youth in the city in a downtown building. I can't tell you how many people came to know Jesus and how many people left that ministry to go into ministry. But in the last 17 years... I faced one ministry difficulty after the next. Been the most difficult 17 years of my life. And I've seen some relational conflict that's been very painful. And I've seen my kids go through some tough stuff. One son who struggled with an addiction, another son who was con- uh, diagnosed with cancer. Both of them are doing very well, by the way. My life has not been immune from pain. The good news is, these 17 years have been the richest years of my life. The most difficult and the richest. It's been in this place of difficulty and hardship that God has exposed things in me that I didn't know were there. Insecurities and fears and a lack of confidence. It's easy to be confident when everything you touch turns to gold. It's easy to be confident when you preach a message and lots of people turn to Jesus. It's hard to be confident when whatever you're doing doesn't work. Whatever you work at isn't crowned with success. But it's in those places that God wants to meet us. The prophet Habakkuk learned this, and this was a testimony Read Habakkuk as a testimony. Habakkuk 3.17. He says, when the fig tree doesn't blossom, and there's no fruit on the vine, and the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no, no food, and there's no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to climb up to the heights. See, Joseph, who became a prince in Egypt, a ruler over Egypt, started out, being sold as a slave to an official of Egypt. And then he was falsely accused of a crime and spent time in prison, if you will. He eventually got out. He named one of his kids Ephraim because the name 
sounds like something in Hebrew that means God will make me fruitful in the land of my affliction. God loves to make us fruitful in the land of affliction. God loves to meet us in pain. The last thing God wants is that we be intimidated by pain. You'll meet people, maybe you're one of them, who've been diagnosed with cancer, and you go, oh man, anything but that. The thing that God wants you to know is that you don't need to be intimidated by it. If you should be diagnosed with such a terrible disease, know this, God is more than enough to see you through. No matter what you will face, He's more than enough. If you want to read a little bit of Paul the Apostle's story, read 2 Corinthians 11 and see what kind of life he faced as an apostle. He talked about being shipwrecked. He talked about being beaten with rods. Rods doesn't quite get at it. That translation doesn't get at it. A rod in those days was something more like a two-by-four. He was beaten with the cat of nine tails. He was beaten with a whip with little pieces of bone and fragments of, of ceramic in the end of it. And his skin was torn off his body so that his, his, his ribs were exposed. He said he, he had sleepless days and nights and he constantly carried around his concern for the church. This is an apostle. Not intimidated by hardship. If you're looking for a life of ease, this isn't the life for you. In fact, in fact, here's the deal. There is no teaching out there. There is no pastor out there. There is no movement out there that can protect you from the difficulties of this life. If you think the Christian life is finding a place that will keep you from problems and difficulties, you're not going to find it. You're going to be deceived. God wants you to boldly face difficulty. He wants you to be able to say, Lord, I am frightened of a diagnosis of cancer. It's not something that I want. But I also know that if I receive such a diagnosis, that you'll be with me in it. If I receive a job loss, if I lose my house, if, if, if something happens to me that's just plain shameful or terribly painful, you will be there. You'll be with me. Would you show me how you'll be with me? Would you show me how I can know that you're with me? I want to share with you some advice for facing hardship. And the first is just this. Learn to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Learn to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You know, some years ago, I took some men from my church, about 16 of us went, to the men's retreat of another church. We knew this church was having a kick in men's retreat. We heard the speaker was amazing. Uh, we knew the worship would be rich. We knew prayer would be intense. We knew the fellowship would be great. We couldn't wait to hear the speaker we'd heard so much about. And as I listened to this guy, I was actually amazed at his level of energy. He was a little wiry guy, maybe 140 pounds. I had just heard Greg Boyd for the first time, and I, I thought to myself when I heard Greg for the first time, I've never seen a more energetic preacher. But then after I saw this guy, I thought, compared to this guy, Greg looks comatose. This guy probably burned 3,000 calories a message. And he was talking about commitment. 
And he was talking about fighting the good fight. All, all good things. But then he gave us an example of what that stuff looks like. And he told us a story about how he resisted a very enticing sexual temptation. An encounter with someone that he'd had a previous relationship with before he came to know Jesus. And this person made it clear that she was now available to him again. And he went into too much detail to describe what this was like. And he talked about how he, how he toughed it out. And I remember hearing that message and thinking, man, I don't know if I could have that kind of self-control. That's amazing. Something unsettling was taking place in my heart as I, as I pondered what this guy said. And as I walked away from him, I thought, I know what's unsettling. I know what's disturbing me about this message. That guy was the hero in his own story. The Holy Spirit wasn't the hero. He was the hero. He grounded out. He fought through. He white-knuckled it. I'm here to tell you that this Christian life isn't about trying harder. It's about receiving more. I'm here to tell you that when you live under the influence of the Holy Spirit... You won't need to rely on willpower and grit and determination to see you through. That stuff won't see you through. The best it'll do for you is enable you to white-knuckle it. You don't need to white-knuckle it. Don't settle for white-knuckling it. Don't settle for muscling through. Learn to live under the Holy Spirit. And by all means, renounce making pledges. Renounce making commitments. Renounce making resolutions. That may sound crazy to you. What are you talking about? If you make a pledge, if you make a resolution, if you make a commitment, you know what your trust is in? The pledge. Do you know how many people I've met who made a purity pledge and broke it? And when I've asked them about their intent to walk in purity, I've said, so what's your plan? They said, I'm going to make another pledge. I've said, I, I don't mean any disrespect, but how'd that first one work out for you? Well, what are you saying, Kevin? I'm saying I'm sure you were sincere when you made that pledge. But that pledge isn't going to see you through, and making another one isn't going to see you through. How about instead of making a pledge and a resolution and a commitment, you make an invitation? You make an invitation to Jesus Christ, who's the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, and ask Him to make you what you can never make you. What a pledge can never make you. That's why I say, renounce those stinking pledges. They're of the flesh. They're totally law-driven. I don't want to live a law-based life. I want a grace-based life. I've preached, by the way, that guy preached at that men's retreat. I was the hero in my own story too many times. That's why it's easy enough for me to spot that stuff. And I want to tell you, it's a bunch of nonsense. It's not the gospel of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus is not a call to white-knuckle it through temptation. The gospel of Jesus invites us to admit our weakness. At the end of Paul's statement about all the troubles he faces in 2 Corinthians 11, he says, I say all that because I like to boast about my weakness. I like to boast about my weakness. Here's why. He goes into chapter 12. And he says, there, God showed me that it's in weakness. His power is made perfect in my situation. 
That's what God loves. You know, I bet you some of you have taken strength finders and discover your gifts. And all that stuff is great. It's great. I don't mean to bash it. But I want to say I want you to think of something else. We learn to identify our strengths. God wants us to lean into our weaknesses. God wants you to know that if you learn to lean into Him regarding your weaknesses, He will show up in a big way. And He'll do something for which He alone can receive the glory. Learn to live a life that's a life that's lived under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Keep inviting the Holy Spirit into everything. You know, it would be a good idea to start every day. Spending time with the Holy Spirit, talking to Him, reading, reading the Scriptures, crying out to Him, laying your day before Him. Now, I'm not saying that you can't seek God in the middle of the day or in the evening. You're not all morning people. Um, I wasn't a morning person when I was a young guy, but I found it helpful to get up early anyway because I'd rather tune my fiddle before the concert. I like to seek God in the morning because I have a day to face. And honestly, if you can consistently seek God at some other time, good for you. But I've found for me the best time to be alone with God, the time that I'm most likely to be consistent, is to get my sorry took us out of the sack and get up there and be alone with Him. Paul did say something about buffeting his body. You remember that? Some of you are buffeting your body. That's not what it says. You're reading from the, tr the French translation. It's, I buffet my body. I kick butt and take names when it comes to myself, the management of myself. I govern myself with the help of the Holy Spirit. I can do it. And I invite the Holy Spirit to help me do it. Holy Spirit, change my appetites. Holy Spirit, change me from the inside out. Adjust me, tweak me, calibrate me. Do what you got to do. Because I'll tell you what, Holy Spirit, I can't do this by myself. My resolution, resolutions won't see me through. My commitments won't see me through. My pledges won't see me through. I make an invitation to you. Here's my day, Holy Spirit. Here's what I anticipate I'm going to face. And I'm sure there's other things I don't even anticipate that I'm going to face. Would you bring your influence to bear upon my every interaction with others, whether it's by email or phone or face-to-face? Because -face? I want God's kingdom to come today. I want His will to be done today in my life and in my sphere of influence. Is that what you want? You can have that. You, you want to know why you can have that? Because God says you can. And because God's, God doesn't show favoritism. There's no one person that He respects more than another person. God will make Himself available to the person who invites Him to be welcome in His life. Does that make sense? So, some advice for facing hardship. Live under the Holy Spirit's influence. And the next thing is, saturate your life in the Word of God. In Colossians 3.16, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That means slam it down. Learn to meditate on the Scripture. By the way, I'm not suggesting that you should necessarily follow a plan that gets you through the Bible every year. Not saying that's bad, but that's not the point of the Bible. The point of the Bible is not to get through it. It's to encounter God in it. I'd, I'd rather see you take some time consistently every morning, time that's sufficient enough so you don't have to hurry through it, time that you're not where you're not looking at your cell phone every five minutes, time where you're saying, 
God, would you help me to know how to approach you in the reading of the Word? Help me to know what you'd like me to do in this season of my life. There are times that I follow a very strict regimen of reading, and there are other times I sense the Lord is leading me to meditate on one or two verses of Scripture. And I usually invite others to speak into my life. What do you think I need to be doing at this time? What do you think? Because sometimes it's just hard to figure out on your, on your own. But saturate, saturate your, yourself in the Scriptures. And don't worry if you can't remember what you read. Don't worry if you don't even understand what you read. Because according to Scripture itself, when you're reading it, you're, you're sowing it into your life. And if you sow it, God will grow it. Now, I'm, I'm not one of these guys that's anti-Scripture memorization or anti-understanding the Word. I use all kinds of tools to help me understand the Word of God better. But I, I would never want anybody to think that if they can't remember what they read or they can't understand what they read, that it's not benefiting them. Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If you receive the Word of God in your heart, you're going to live by it. His Word will empower you. And then don't go it alone. This journey requires a partnership, certainly with God, but also with His family. We really need each other. I want you to think of all the one another statements in the New Testament. There's a lot of them. Love one another. What else? Forgive one another. Give me another one. Encourage one another. Provoke one another. Yeah, what? Rejoice with one another. Pray for one another. There's a lot of one another's. So you can't do one another's alone. It would be a good thing when you're facing a challenge, when you're feeling vulnerable, let's say to a particular kind of temptation, whether it's to fear, to rejection, whether it's to a sexual temptation, whether it's to an angry outburst, to invite people to help you carry that heavy burden as you seek the Lord. When we don't feel that we can share what we're particularly vulnerable to with someone else, what happens is we go underground with it. And when you go underground with something, it begins to own you. It's been said by people in recovery programs, if there's something in your life that's very private and you can't share it, it owns you. Another saying from recovery people is, you're as sick as your secrets. They're right. The truth is, when you bring something out of darkness into light, it loses, it begins to lose its power over you. That's why confession is so important. Confession is simply saying, here's what I struggle with. Here's my temptation. Here's the besetting sin that I keep yielding to. And I want to tell you something. Healthy Christian people will not shame you if you share that. And if people shame you, send them to me. I'll squeeze their heads in love. Of course, these days I'm getting younger guys to do that business for me. Just kidding. But seriously, healthy people, healthy people won't shame you. And I, I would guess that if you've been a part of this ministry for any time at all, you know some people who are safe to confess your stuff to. Don't go it alone. And finally, uh, be in it for the long haul. This is a, uh, this is a marathon. And, and you're young. And there's a lot of years ahead. 
And if you live under the Spirit's influence and you saturate yourself in the Word and you're partnering with other people, you'll make it. You'll make it. The Bible says, don't grow weary in well-doing. Why, why, why did Paul say that in Galatians 6? Because we're tempted to grow weary in well-doing. He says, don't grow weary in well-doing. In due season you will reap if you don't faint. He says in Hebrews, you have need of endurance, or whoever the author of Hebrews is, you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what has been promised. He also says in, in, in Hebrews, it's through faith and patience we inherit the promises. Don't expect this to be easy. Don't expect this to be a life without conflict and hardship and trouble. Don't think yourself unusual when you feel confused and conflicted. If you're confused and you're conflicted, you must be doing something right. And sometimes this life is so wearying, even though you're saturating yourself in the Word and you're not going in alone and you're doing your very best to live under the influence of the Spirit, it can still be wearying because there are dry seasons where God wants to prove you and He wants to test you and He wants to give you the privilege of leaning into Him in the painful, difficult, arid times. And remember, if the only time we can praise God, the only time we can resist temptation is when we feel God's presence, what does that say about our relationship with Him? It's, it's no big deal to follow God when you feel Him. It is no big deal. Mother Teresa didn't feel God for over 50 years. And she was a, a, a woman who really truly knew God's grace. And she didn't understand that. And it caused her no small amount of frustration. But God gave her enough grace so that each day she could get up and put one foot in front of the other. And sometimes that's what grace looks like. Shall we pray? Holy Spirit, we ask You to help us to receive the Word of God that You want us to receive tonight. Every part that came from Your influence, we want to receive it. We want to welcome it. We pray that it will land on good soil. We pray that You will help us to to just simply understand that You are with us. You're with us in great times of celebration and You're with us in difficult times of loss and pain and suffering. And we need not be intimidated by suffering because there You are with us. And we give You the thanks. Would You help us, Lord, to be careful not to make pledges but to invite You in every situation that we can see You manifest Yourself in such a way that only you will get the glory. And we give you the thanks. We pray all these things. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Kevin. Bless you. Hallelujah. Amen. So now as Dan kind of highlighted, this room just becomes the ministry room. So we're just going to open up this time for prayer. And as Kevin shared, I just, um, I just want to pray for a couple of different groups of individuals. You don't have to raise your hand. We're not going to ask you to like highlight yourselves. Um, 
but just primarily what first thing what Kevin talked about is just the lie that Jesus is our you know life coach or whatever I don't know what the word you want to say Jesus is just our you know we only go to him when we want things um, it's an easy thing to buy into I know when I was growing up and struggling with things I was asked the question if Jesus never did anything else for you the rest of your life would you serve him and I genuinely had to think about that because I wanted the answer to be yes but I wasn't sure if the answer was yes so if that's if you're in that place where Jesus is kind of just a backdrop in your life just ask the Lord as Kevin talked about just to give you grace and what he means by grace just the ability to receive not to do more but to receive more whether it's receive a greater understanding of his holiness or who he is as a king a bridegroom as a savior because he's worth it he's worth it all and at the end of the day his love is better than anything else this world can offer so talk to the Lord now and just be honest with yourself if that's you ask him for grace as Ben talked about tonight's a night of destiny you're not here by accident you're not in this little basement that's hot and awkward with a lot of people you probably don't know very well by mistake you're here because Jesus wants a relationship with you and then additionally if you actually genuinely are going hard after Jesus but you are that white knuckled person and there's that besetting sin in your life. Maybe it's sexual immorality. Maybe it's pride manifested in anger. That was a real struggle for mine. Maybe it's rejection. Whatever that fill in the blank is, if you're white knuckling that, if you're going after that with, with your strength instead of the grace of the Holy Spirit, I just want to invite you to, instead of pledging and making another pledge tonight, make an invitation. Just accept that call to invite Jesus and say, Jesus, I confess tonight and I come into agreement with that John 15 reality that I can do nothing apart from you. Because though, though the road is narrow and the way of the Christian life is hard, Jesus says my yoke is easy and my burden is light and I want to carry that yoke. I want to yoke myself to Jesus and I want to walk this life with him together. I don't want to white knuckle it. So we're just going to pray for those two groups and then we're going to have the prayer team come up here. And if you need prayer for anything like Dan was talking about, whether it's healing in your body, whether it's a relationship, whether it's just a passion to go after the word more, I want to highlight what Kevin talked about, just how important it is to commune with Jesus and the Holy Spirit in the morning and read his word. If you need prayer for any of those things, we're just going to invite you to come up here and receive that. So Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you that you are committed to us, that you are a father at the end of the day. You are our father who art in heaven. You're the father of mercies. And you long to give us fresh awakening and fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. As John the, John the Beloved, John the Baptist says, there's one coming who is greater than me who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Tonight we ask you for that, Jesus. We ask you that you would be the way, the truth, and the life in all of us. That you wouldn't just be a convenience. That you wouldn't be a gift package that we come and receive on Tuesdays. But you would be our Savior. You would be our bridegroom, our King, and our judge. And we would follow you with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength, Father. We ask you tonight for forgiveness where we've been white-knuckling the faith, Jesus. 
that you would give us grace to ask for an just give you an invitation versus a pledge tonight Jesus we thank you that the word of the Lord was brought we just ask that you just bless this community now just come with your presence come with your nearness we love you and in your precious name we pray Amen